0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for.
0: This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, Brendan S. Scott with you. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Guess what, Derek? We're going to bring you in right here and right now because we opened today because back in 1975, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, they started working on the song and 18 days in a row they pounded away on it, mm-hmm. all these different tracks. You were a big fan of the the Freddie uh, Mercury biop? Yeah, Um, it it really blew me. I mean, to be honest, I really didn't know a whole lot about Queen until I really sat down and watched the movie. And then I learned how well that uh, Romy Malik did by, you know, uh, mimicking the movements and and all that kind of stuff and how true it really was to to his lifestyle. I thought it was a great movie. All right. So I'm a little bit confused here because, you know, you used to uh, op my show back in the days of Total Sports on the other station like 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. I thought you were a DJ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you don't play a lot of Queen at the places that you're at? No, no. It was more uh, top 40 music in the nightclubs. No, okay. So, and they don't play a lot of Queen. There's no sort of retrospective on Queen once in a while. They, they go a little, you know, go back in the day, go some 70s stuff, late 70s, that kind of thing? Oh, sure. Every so often. I mean, and there's there's all remixes and all that stuff, too. Old songs made new again kind of thing. So. What, what's the best remix out there that you can think of that, you know, got them going? Oh, boy. I get the, there's just so many. So many to pick. Did you see Woodstock 99, by the way? I didn't know. you got to see Woodstock 99, the Okay. train wreck. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. I'll check it out. As a, as a music buff that you are. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline at 780 496 the River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it. Keep texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Same number, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. He is uh, one of the uh, best feature writers that the Edmonton Journal has. He's written some terrific uh, nationally awarded pieces over the years. Uh, He also has the Cult of Hockey. He's a man of uh, uh, many interests. We welcome back to the show David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Did you see uh, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99
1: yet on Netflix? I've heard you recommend it many times, and you're starting to intrigue me. Why did you like it so much?
0: I, you know what? It was uh, it was a brutally honest perspective. On I was unaware that it was as bad as it was, that things got out of hand quite to the degree that it did. Uh, I saw a little bit of that towards the end of the 90s in, in my past life, my, my spring and summer job. Like, uh, you know, when we first went up working in the reforestation industry in the late 80s, we weren't going into towns looking to raise hell and get after it and by the mid to late 90s I noticed how much more aggressive people were when they were fueled up boozing way more aggressive we were more laid back in the 80s So, and the music played a part in it as well and I didn't, I you know, I... I've never been a big fan of new metal, and certainly I wouldn't say I developed an appreciation from that documentary. But it was—I thought it was pretty well presented and relatively fair, David. Which is, you know, what we're always looking for a little bit of fairness, right? And I know that, and and we'll keep the focus for the most part on the hockey stuff. But you know, you're challenged to write some pretty difficult things over the years. I know you—you wrote on the one on the that you got an award for. Was that on the the mine? uh, Was there not a mine that blew up up in uh, the
1: Northwest Territories? was on a mass murder during a strike at a gold mine in Yellowknife in 1992. Nine men were murdered. They crossed the picket line there, Bob. And um, a miner went in the mine and set a bomb and blew up the nine guys. So that was a pretty high tension thing for it to happen in Canada. And this,
0: n- now, was this... Uh, so the, the, the nine guys that uh, ended up passing away crossed the picket line. this? was this all did it stem because they was
1: that why this ended up transpiring oh yeah they had they had been on strike for for four months and it was a bitter strike and and um, you know they were dehumanized they were called you know scabs and all uh, stuff uh, less yeah, than yeah. human and they were and, and someone took that to heart and thought I'm just gonna they're the enemy I'm gonna I'm gonna exterminate them and uh, he ended up in jail for for life so, yeah tough story to write? Bob it, it was unbelievably tense in Yellowknife because it, you know it's a com- it's a small community and it was fractured by this strike people who crossed the line and didn't it wrecked it you know, ruined marriages wrecked friendships wrecked the town and it was absolutely poisonous for the whole community so yeah when you went into that town uh, it was it was like a it was it was as close to a war zone i think as you're going to get in a canadian city as I've, as you're going to find just because the strike was so personal for so many people and and you're right like it's it, in a situation like that it's hard like to, to be fair like you you have to sympathize try to sympathize with with everyone but it's hard to find a win in that for anyone yeah, it was just so horrible
0: yeah so awful absolutely so that's why you write about the toy department of life and the cult of hockey
1: right <laughs> I've always been a hockey fanatic. So hey, by the way, I,
0: I, made a, that. I, I made I made I do need to reference this. I talked uh, we, we had uh, Ben Popon from Chicago talked a bit about Kirby Doc, and I said, well, if Kirby had played in the U.S. National Development Program as a six-foot-four right-shot center, and Jack Hughes had played for the Saskatoon Blades, you know, I, I think Kirby maybe goes higher. And uh, I said, I think they had seven first-round picks. I was wrong. They had eight first-round picks off the U.S. National Development Program. They had seven of the top 15 picks, <laughs> okay? So in that draft back in uh, Vancouver in 2019, so Hughes went number one. Turcott, who at this stage of the game looks like a bit of a miss for the LA Kings, he went fifth. Uh, Trevor Zegras went ninth, one pick after Broberg. Matt Boldy went 12th, sort of established himself a bit last year at Minnesota. Spencer Knight, the goalie from Florida, went 13th. Cam York, who will be on the Flyers this year, defenseman went 14th, and Cole Caulfield went 15th. Seven picks on the top, and the point I was making is... You know, who benefits in that situation? Well, the guys in the, like, it's an all-star team. How do you compare, when you're evaluating a player, a, a, a guy with a group of all-stars that are, you know, top 15 picks moving the puck to you, that sort of thing, versus a team where you're a one-man band offensively, and you don't have any other first-round pick potential-type players with you? And that's kind of where I was coming from on that,
1: day. It's very difficult. and But, you know, the thing you could say is, Looks like a lot of those players on the U.S. team are working out pretty well, so it's kind of hard to criticize NHL teams for investing high picks in them. I mean, um, it's it's it seems to be this huge draw in the States. We couldn't replicate it in Canada. I just don't think, uh, you know, the major junior teams are so, you know, they have you'd have to have a league agree to that and you'd have to have all the leagues agree to that. Yeah, and no one's going to do that in Canada. It's not going to happen, but you know, it's work, it works for the Americans. And you know, it's the same thing just on a lesson. I just, last night I wrote about uh, Ty Tulio, who's a young player for the Oilers. He played on a fairly, you know, throughout his junior career, he's played on a fairly weak, mediocre Oshawa team that never scored much. And, but he was always the top scorer. So how do you put that in context? Where is he going to How's you know, his point scoring, which was pretty good in major junior hockey last year for a 19 year old. How do you? How do you rate that against someone who played on a powerhouse team, you know, like 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 the London Knights typically tend to be or, or some team like that. It's there's that, always that challenge for scouts, but uh, that's why they're paid these small bucks.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, and we'll get to your uh, well, let's let's start there. You got a series right now in the Cult Hockey on the on the prospects, and I know that uh, the Athletic uh, ranked the Oilers 18th in the league in terms of uh, 22 and under. Uh, I would say that's pretty good given that Edmonton was the final four team last year and for three straight years has been a top 12 team because they haven't been drafting as high uh, of course they do have McDavid and settle who are you know 20 um, 25 and 26 respectively to the best players in the world um, but when you factor in the likes of from the 2018 draft uh, Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod, who both established them as full-time Oilers last year. Broberg, who I think you and me think will be a full-time Oiler this year. Holloway, who I think by the end of the year will be a full-time Oiler. And then Borgo and Schaefer, five first-round picks. David, we're going to go to Penticton for the rookie tournament, and the Edmonton Oilers will have four first-rounders at that tournament. They'll be the only team there with four first-round picks. And they're the team that was in the uh, semifinals last year in the NHL. So they've got some prospect depth, don't they?
1: You know let's say the, the way you framed it is is you know optimistic that they're 18th you know everyone would hope that they'd be much higher than that but I think it was that's a fair comment on your part Bob because they have been drafting low and they've been trading away draft picks and 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 even with all that they have this steady flow of players you know there's a couple of players that were fairly high draft picks Philip Brobery and, and Dylan Holloway right at the top still you know so 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 there's that but there's a you know they've done it there's kind of two categories of players that they've been focused on and it's these great big defensemen, um, and, and, and Broberg's kind of, he's in that category, but there's also um, Kesselring, uh, Samarukov Nimaline, and Deharney. You know, there, there's this group of absolutely mammoth uh, defensemen, who can, and most trees. of them compete pretty well. The general well. manager calls them trees, David. Indeed. And then there's a the second group of players. They've really been focused on looking at skilled wingers, I think, who can fit in one day with McDavid or Dreisaitl. And Lisa, you know, I, I call them the young guns. And there's a number of these guys. So there's, you know, the obvious one is Xavier Borgo, who had a really good year in, in junior last year. But there's, all, you know, there's a number of other ones. There's Raphael Lavois, Matt, v- Pet, Matt v- Petrov, Carter Savoy, um, and, and Ty Tulio. And then there's uh, Richie for the new guy, who's kind of a, more of a, a big... Uh, rough physical player with some skill. So th- they have though between these these massive defensemen and smaller wingers who can score two very interesting groups. And most of the players let's say there's 6 or 7 five or six players in each of those groups. You know, most of them aren't going to make it. That's the way it is in pro hockey. It's a very steep pyramid and only the the greatest make it to the top. But if if so the rule is most won't make it. When you're looking at any one player the bet is he's not going to make it, but they have a number of them and if only one or two players in each category pan out, that's going to be fantastic for the Oilers because they're going to need, going to need cheap players, they're going to need cheap young uh, defensemen and, and wingers, and they've got this supply right there. And these guys, most of them, almost all of them, have trended up since they were drafted. So um, you know, I, I can't compare the Oilers group against other groups of players because I don't really know much about the other groups. But the Oilers group, it's got some strength in it for for prospects.
0: Yeah, and, and I you know I, I bring up the first rounders and Ken Holland holding on to the first rounders because David is now the time to potentially look at moving the 2023
1: number one. Well, you know this leads into Patrick Kane. You know, if you can get, if you can get Patrick Kane, if you can get uh, John Klingberg, you know, maybe even at the deadline, if he's really having a great season. Um, if you can get uh, Jickren from out of Arizona, of course it is, Bob. I mean there's 32 teams in the NHL. You have a 1 in 32 year chance of winning the Stanley Cup. The Oilers have this window right now where those odds are considerably higher because of the talent amassed on this team. And if you can figure out a way to get Patrick Kane on your team for giving up a draft pick, uh, which is, uh, you know, 25 to 32, it's it's a low first round draft pick. Players like that have, you know, a 1 in 5 chance of maybe becoming a good NHLer. You do that. You make that trade every day of the week, and um, I just, I just. Is it a no-brainer? I, I, that's how I would put it. I, I think it is. I think you just go for it. And, you know, people will say, well, they should get a defenseman instead. They should look at that. Well, okay, which defenseman can you get for that price? So you have to look at that. Is there going to be a defenseman available? There might be. But maybe you can give up other assets to get the defenseman at the, at the deadline. And, I, and I'm more bullish on the owner's defense than most of the people who are making the argument for that defenseman. And I, and I think the, the other people, the people making the argument, they don't want to see Yessa Puglia already traded for Patrick Kane, you know, as part of that package, and and I understand that. I think Pulleyarvi is a promising player, but if you can get Patrick Kane, um, you know, he was he's he was the 60th leading even strength scorer for a forward in the NHL last year. So he's he's still a top line winger for even strength scoring. So even if he doesn't play on your power play, Bob, he'll play on. I mean, gonna...
0: if you're getting Patrick Kane, he's
1: going on your first. <laughs> well, the, 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 and this is you know what? When I'm you thinking about it, I'm Hopkins thinking the, someone else is going to give up more for Patrick Kane than the Oilers is my bet. Now, it may come down that Patrick Kane, doesn't. he will pick his team one or two teams that he would go to but you, the Oilers don't really need Patrick Kane on the power play and then another team might need him a lot more so they might be willing to give up more to get Kane, is my thought.
0: David, that's an excellent point. There yeah. might, I mean, the Oilers have been first, first and third in the power play in the last three years. They've clipped Glenn Goldson. We expect a transition at some point from Tyson Berry to Evan Bouchard on defense. Um, would you have any time for just just because we had Ben Pope on in Chicago? Would you have any? You know, I'm looking. I mean, forget about Athens. You've been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. What about Domi at half price? Like he's three million. So let's say you get him for a quarter of the year at the deadline. You know, it's 750k uh, left in the deal, and they eat half. That knocks it down to 375 thousand bucks, and he plays third line left wing for
1: you. Any appetite there? You know, he, this is out of my area because you know. Whoever is in pro scouting for the Oilers and recommended Cody Cc and Kulak, that's the guy I trust. Don't don't take my opinion on this. The guy the guy who's recommending Cc and Kulak, that's the guy we should go to for for the opinion on this. Because you know if he's watching these players closely, someone's got a a pretty good eye right now in the organization. And I don't know who it was on Cc. Who do you think it is? Well, we know you've said it's Holland on uh, on Kulak. And I don't know who it was. And on Hyman, but he, he also liked Fogle. Yeah, he's also a Fogle guy. Well, I'm more of a Fogle guy than some people. I think Fogle just had kind of a bit of a hard luck season and, and might rebound with a fairly good season here. But I, I, he's doing some good work. And so, so Max told me he's had he's moved around from team to team. He's been a good even strength scorer in the past. He's not that old. You'd have to look at his injury history. Where where is he right now? How did he play last year in the in the last 30 games? And I didn't do that work. So I. can't really say. Well
0: I mean at the bottom and that's very honest of you David, I mean they're likely to have Evander Kane Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Warren Fogle and Matthias Janmark at the start of the year in left wing, that doesn't include Dylan Holloway, now Domi can play center as well, he does have a little bit of bite in his game which, uh, but he has been consistently inconsistent during the course of his career so it is interesting All right. so let's assume, and I think logic dictates that Kane will get moved, Patrick Kane but it'll happen during the course of the season. David, do the Edmonton Oilers and I went through a list of guys today, I still think Edmonton needs to have one more forward, and it just has to be a guy at 750K, so I'm going to give you a list of names, um, and I'm not sure with one of them if he doesn't already have a deal. Like, David, I'm like, look- so for the center position, for the sake of argument, I've got McDavid, Drysdale, McLeod, Shore, McCaig, Hamlin, Philpin and Malone as eight centers in the Oilers organization. Mm-hmm. Kane, Nugent, Hopkins, Fogle, Yanmark, Holloway, Benson, and Savoy on the left side. Hyman, Ploy, Yamamoto, Derek, Ryan, Borgo, Griffith, Lavoie, and Tulio on the right side. I actually think the Oilers could probably use another right wing. Um, some of the guys that i Mentioned Kessel, Evan Rodriguez. I am wonder whether or not he's actually got a deal. Somebody mentioned Sprong to me today, which was kind of interesting because he can skate and he's had three 13 or 14 goal seasons. Sam Gagne, uh, Bozak, who's played exclusively, Sam, he's now 36,
1: Brett Ritchie, Tyler Pitlick, and Alex Chase. On any of those guys, interest you? Well, Kessel. I mean, he's he he had a really good year, even strength scoring last year, and um, he can still he can still put the puck. He did he had, bad, he had bad luck shooting, so um, he should have had more points than he had last year. And he's he's a he's a, he's won a couple Stanley Cups. Um, the guy is he, he still performs, and you can get him, I think, cheaper than you would even get. Uh, he, he'd be. You know, he's a UFA, so you, get him, you don't have to give up anything. And you get him on a cheaper contract than you get for, for Kane. So if you can't get Kane, Kessel's a really good second bet. And, um, yeah, that's the guy I'd be focusing on. And I think, you know, we've heard enough rumors about him to think that that is someone that they are focusing on. Now he may, he may decide to go elsewhere, but uh, he'd be a great addition. David, how do people follow you? Uh, at D Staples or at the Cult of Hockey on Twitter, Bob. Have fun, David. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is David
0: Staples' Cult of Hockey. It is 123 in Edmonton. We'll step out here, get to some of your texts when we return on orders now. We've often talked about the great variety of used vehicles that our friends at Brentridge Ford are proud to offer. They want you to know that the order bank for 2023 SUVs and F-150s now open if you want to be treated fairly at the time of the purchase and enjoy quality service after the sale. Order your new vehicle from Uncle Milt, Johnny, Rich, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, 11-time winners of the Presence Award for Customer Satisfaction. You can call 1-877-477-3673. That's one 877 477 forward. Um, Getting some queries, Bob. uh, Why are you targeting forwards instead of defense as a potential add short and long term? And my response to that would be, uh, I I think that uh, the orders have some organic solutions here. Okay, I would contemplate adding a seventh D-man. Maybe Ben Harper might be the answer, a bigger physical guy. But at the end of the day, I mean, I've got you know, Nurse and CC and Kulak and Bouchard and uh, Broberg and Barry on the team for sure. Then there's going to be a seventh defenseman. Is that Cuckoo in the second year of a two year deal? Or conversely, Samarukov, who's now on an ELC. Well, Samarukov, Nima Linen, Deharnay. Those are the three closest prospects to playing uh, down in Bakersfield. They've all got history with Dave Manson, and they're all big. They provide something a little bit different, uh, especially Line and Dejarnay, a little bit more size uh, to them. So I'm going to be intrigued to see if there's an internal solution. Put it this way, by the start of the 2023-24 season, I think the Oilers have to have, they've got a little bit of redundancy between Bouchard and Barry, and I think they're going to need... Only one of those guys. And they're going to need a guy in the third pairing on the right side that's a two million bucks or less that's got some bite, that's got some size that kills penalties and that sort of thing. So I guess that's why maybe I'm leaning a bit to forward. You can text us, 780 496 6 Doug says, Bob, I'm sorry to disagree with you, but the Oilers truly do need a number one D-man as opposed to Patrick Kane. Who that D-man is, how you get him, I don't have a clue. But all I know is as much as I admire Darnell Nurse, he's not a true number one D-man if you look at the recent cup-winning teams back to the Cup uh, cap year of 06 and even before Every winning cup has had a Norris or a runner-up cup uh, winning defenseman. Hmm. Uh, Jamie in Calgary says, Bob, does Kessel not practice at the Gary Roberts Training Center with Connor and his friends with him? I, I actually don't know where Kessel practices, to be honest with you. Uh, Bob, not sure why Sonny Milano was still available, but could he not push Jesse and Kyler? He looked good on a poor Anaheim team. I was looking specifically at right shots i have to take a look at Milano here. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Uh, Kamek has texted us to say, I think it's a no-brainer for the Oilers to give up picks for Patrick Kane. Like David said, the team has a window and is at a huge advantage of taking Stanley home. Why not go all in? Also, can we appreciate how great Leon looks in royal blue today on the Instagram post. Yes, uh, the Oilers' Leon drysettle amongst the European players that are on the NHL European Tour. Uh, Elliot Friedman's on that one, actually. I spoke to Elliot the other night. So there you go, 129 at Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update. Kevin Robertson and come back with John Shannon and Brendan Escott in the final half hour of Oilers Now.